Hello, hello, hello. It's been a hot minute, but we are back. Finally. Bringing you more scary stuff, hopefully. Yeah, but we're going to mix it up a little bit, and today we're going to talk about some spooky, weird crime stories. Yes. So we're not necessarily going to turn it into a crime podcast, but definitely over the pandemic, I have been getting into and obsessing over Yay! unsolved true crime, <laughs> true crime, I don't know, it's just been a little kind of getaway from <laughs> what's everything that's been going on. You turn to true crime to ignore real life. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it has been a hot minute, but we are hopefully trying to revive the podcast again. For sure. So this is our attempt at that. Yes. Yay. So we are bringing back some um, stories. So this article comes from Ranker.com and the article is titled Utterly bizarre true crime stories that are keeping us up at night. I'm excited. <laughs> As if there's not enough things that are keeping, keeping us, us up, up at night right now. This will be a nice escape. Yeah. <laughs> if you already are not sleeping at night, let's just add some more stress to your lives. We'll dive right in. Yes. So, around 3 a.m. on December 22, 1939, a blindfolded man stubble, stumbled, stumbled, <laughs> maybe stumbled, onto a snowy highway in Mishawaka, Indiana, and was immediately hit by a car and killed. The man turned out to be 44-year-old factory worker Stephen Melky. Melky was found with his hands bound behind his back and both his eyes and mouth had been covered with surgical tape. Inside his mouth, police found a handkerchief covered in red lipstick. A police investigation re revealed that Melky had been dropped off by a vehicle about 140 feet from the place he was struck. While initially bound at the ankles, he managed to free his legs and walked blindfolded through the snow before crossing the highway. More perplexing though, was the parallel set of footprints through the snow, suggesting that the person responsible for tying him up was also following him. Some even theorized that Melky was pushed onto the road. Three suspects were taken into custody, including local tavern waitress Bert DeVos and her fiance Alan Polomsky. Melky and DeVos reportedly had some sort of relationship that made Polomsky jealous and he'd been seen fighting with Melky prior to his passing. Another man involved with DeVos, George Smith, had also argued with Melky before the incident. While all three were questioned, none of the tire tracks from the cars were determined to match those of the car that dropped off Melky. No one was ever apprehended, and Melky's case remains unsolved. Huh. So that just, that story, the reason I picked that one, it's creepy to me because I just imagine like you're driving down a dark road and like there's no other cars on the road and I just always imagine I can't specifically speak to like a scary movie that pops into my mind but um for whatever reason I kind of have been trained like 
when I'm going down a dark road, because we live in the Pacific Northwest, that there's always, like, these trees, and there's never, like, any street lights. Yeah. And I just always imagine someone running out, whether it's, like, a girl who's in this, like, white outfit that's been like tattered up and she's covered in blood or it's like a man who's gonna run out of the woods like holding a knife I just always imagine when I'm driving down these dark roads and there's like no other cars and there's no and there's like no street lights that someone is gonna like run out of the yeah out of the woods and like try to attack me or something um, I think that's where, like, our love of horror stuff early on in life comes into play. Because I remember always closing my eyes on certain stretches of the road if we were out when at you're night. driving? Like, when we were kids. <laughs> not not now. When now I'm just driving, like, you, like, hey, where are you? Covering your eyes. Yeah, I cover my eyes. <laughs> no, but when we lived in Pennsylvania, there was, like, a back road I would take um, to get to the movie theater. And I had just gone and seen... Um, I can't remember the name of the movie, but I had high hopes for it to be scary. It had Katie Holmes. It was like, she lived in a house with like her new husband and then like stepdaughter. And I can't, I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. But on the way home, I was like expecting to see someone like walk out, like holding a head or something. I don't know, but whatevs. Um, Holding a head. And then, oh, I was going to say, oh, but. One thing I never thought I would see that I am pleasantly surprised I have seen. On Halloween, somebody was wearing a Michael Myers mask and a jumpsuit standing at the corner by the park. <laughs> um, just like standing there, like all nonchalant. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> you are my hero. You are my new person. <clears throat> Come what to me. What makes this scary though is like, when we're driving down the road and you're expecting someone to jump out of the trees, you're expecting it to be like the bad guy or the person who's gonna come after you. And what's so sad about this story is he was like the victim in this yeah. scenario. And I know that um, I had brought up, you know, is it a person who is running out of the woods and they're trying to escape or get away and they're all tattered and beaten up? Because there have been stories oh, in the yeah. past or even like, um, the cartel or other scenarios where they act like they are the victim and then you pull over to help and then all of a sudden right. you get beat up and then you're carjacked or it's another type of situation. But what makes this uh, situation so sad is that it was the victim and did he even know he was by the road because he was like blindfolded and gagged and they're saying that when they looked at the footprints that it almost looked like the person was like walking beside yeah. him and and did he know he was by a road and then they pushed him out into traffic i yeah i was kind of wondering if like if he knew he was alone obviously he'll never be able to say like oh i knew like they were leading me or they were telling me or like whatever but i wonder if he knew he was being followed because that almost adds like a new element of like terror yeah that like you're already in this shitty situation where you're blindfolded you have no idea where you are and you're just going like blindly cold it's cold it's snowy and you may or may not know someone is like behind you watching you and then out of nowhere like say he didn't know and then all of a sudden he's pushed like holy 
Talk, holy terror, Batman. Talk about like, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. And then what's with the handkerchief in his mouth with red lipstick on it? So I don't want to like, my opinion here, I don't want to like besmudge anyone's name or whatnot, but I instantly thought there was something to do with like either he was talking to someone else's lady or like it was um say like a lady of the night um and like the pimp went out like there was some kind of bad deal you know like you hear about like prostitutes who have their johns and like the pimp comes in and like robs them and sometimes he kills them kind of deal. So I was wondering almost if it was something like that. So I wasn't surprised to hear that there was like a waitress from the bar and like her boyfriend didn't like how close they were. I wasn't surprised to hear that, but again, I, that those were just my theories. Or was there like an affair or something? Yeah. I think that there's a lot of possibilities a lot of different things to go down, but oh, if only they had DNA back then and they could see who the lipstick came from. I know. Oh my gosh, that would be beautiful to put. Like if that had the fat had been in like a cold case. Yeah. Like a put the bag in the fridge to preserve the DNA. Or Whatever. if they still could. Yeah. Okay, I have another story for you. Okay, so I don't know if you ever got your computer to work. I don't know. Okay, so I'm just gonna, I'll, how about I'll just tell you the stories. And, and I'll just will, give you my opinion. You just give me your opinion because you watch probably more crime shows than I do, so you can be like the crime scene investigator here. Yes, okay, I like that. So in 1986, a girl named Annie Andrews went on a date with a boy named Danny LaPlante who said he was a friend of a friend. Andrews and LaPlante had only talked on the phone, but LaPlante described himself as a tall, handsome athlete. When the two met for ice cream, LaPlante looked completely different and had a disheveled appearance. After the date, Andrews stopped answering his calls. And remember, this is 1986, so it's before... Facebook. <laughs> so this is like ultra like catfishing this, yeah. 80s style oh, man. but you still had to talk to them on the phone so you could at least hear like their voice and everything yeah annie andrews and her sister jessica had recently lost their mother to cancer and performed a seance in their basement to contact her spirit when they heard knockings on the wall they believed their house was haunted in the coming weeks, there would be more knocks on the wall, furniture moved, and messages written on the walls in what appeared to be blood. Their father, Brian Andrews, reportedly came face to face with LaPlante, who was holding a hatchet and wearing his deceased wife's makeup. Mm -hmm. When police finally investigated the home, they found that Danny LaPlante had been living in the walls for weeks. He'd even cut holes in the wall to spy on Annie. He would move things when the family wasn't home and wrote messages on the walls and catch up to scare them. LaPlante was taken to juvenile facility, but was arrested the following year for the murder of a different family. Yeah. I've heard this before. What the fuck? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that is like such bad timing. Yeah. <laughs> like to do like a Ouija board seance. Wait, I don't know if they said Ouija board or it was just a seance. So yeah. it's like, okay, so many creepy, scary elements to the story. So yeah. let's first start with they meet and he's like all disheveled and like, okay, we're not going to like do this dating thing anymore yeah and all of a sudden he becomes obsessed with her yeah how does he get access into the house does he like follow her home yeah like, how does he know so um i have heard this story before and i think it was from an app and i can't remember the exact name of it and i don't have it on my phone anymore but it was like murder a day or something and it would cover like a murderer and like their history and like what they had done and this was one of the stories and I think it was he had followed her home and he just waited the dad was working like night shift or something like that so he wasn't home um you know when people would be asleep so I think that's how the guy gained access to the house um I could be completely wrong. I <laughs> could be but, the wrong murder. I mean, I, it could be a different killer, but I remember. Well, I, we know that he got access. He got access. So at some point, he got access. And he was there for a while, not like it an says hour. Weeks. Yeah, it says weeks that he was there. And it's just that's like creepy because I always like when I'm home by myself, and I hear noises. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> hello. Is anybody here? But, like, I can't fathom someone living in the freaking walls, like, watching me. Like, do you want to make yourself sick? What are you doing? <laughs> Why would they make themselves sick if they were watching you? <laughs> what are you doing? No, I just mean, like, if you want to look at this, there might be something wrong with you if you want to stalk me. <laughs> <laughs> they like crawl into your wall and they're like, I'm gonna stalk her. And then, like, two hours into it, they're like, I am like really bored. <laughs> All she does is crochet and watch murder mysteries <laughs> and eat cheeses. <laughs> cheeses are the bomb, man. <laughs> Drinking my Red Bull spritzers, could, petting my cats. <laughs> could you imagine, like, could you imagine, like, if you had a, like, even my stalker is bored. <laughs> like, I'm not making light of stalkers. No. Obviously. I that would be stalker. horrific to have a stalker. I had one in high school. Yeah. That back was, when you were more exciting. But back now, when I like, was attractive. Now you don't have a stalker. <laughs> I don't have a stalker. And you don't want one. No, I you don't. don't. You definitely don't want one. Because stalking I'm is extremely serious. But, it is. Oh my gosh. I think... Tim told me a story about like someone who had sold their house and didn't disclose that there was a like a secret I told entrance. you that story but was it you? thinking it was no him. I thought like he told me something else there was like a secret entrance and the person like lived there for like a couple months yeah it was like oh was it, it was a few years was it like on one of those like reddit Secrets. like secret oh, yeah if the secret ever got out like it would destroy me and so the story was that the guy was in like 2008 or 2012 during like the economic downfall. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> the first of many. Generation. Um, and he was a business owner and a homeowner and he had to make a decision. Do I keep my business or do I keep my house? 
But what people didn't know is that when he either built his house or when he bought his house is that it had a secret bomb shelter down below. And so he decided he was going to keep his house, uh, or sorry, keep his business and sell the house, but live in the secret bomb shelter um, because it had like a underground trail that led out to the forest mm -hmm. that if he left super early or got home super late, no one would know that he was leaving or entering the house. And so his secret that if it ever got out would completely destroy him was that he sold the house and was still living in it and it had been a few years. Yeah. And the owners of the house never knew. I, uh, Tim and I watched a movie one time and it said it was based on a true story. Probably not, but who knows? Maybe it is. The guy lived in the attic and oh. he ended up falling in love with like, I think it was one of the guys from Wings. The show Wings. Um, and he was in like the made for TV remake of The Shining. I can't remember his name for the life oh, of Oh, yeah. But he stayed in the attic. Fell made in love. for TV movie. That's so like 1990s. <laughs> I know, right? I just aged myself so bad. You're so old. <laughs> Funny thing is, I was like 10. <laughs> Anyways. Um, he ended up falling in love with a teenage daughter and then like killing her boyfriend and then killing her parents and all this crazy shit. And it was like live with me we can make this house ours and it was like what the fuck did we just watch <laughs> was that like a lifetime movie or no like a usa movie it wasn't because it was back when people had cable it definitely sounds like a usa movie it might have been like on netflix or what this movie came out when netflix was no around? yeah like it was i'm trying to think i can't remember where we were living when we watched it um, when you say we, are you talking about me and you, or are you talking about... Oh, sorry. Tim I can't remember where Tim and I were living oh, okay. when we watched it, but I know it was like we either, like, we rented it, or it was, like, on Amazon Prime, or it was, like, on a streaming platform. Okay. Maybe, I can't, wow. it was, like, more recent, like, probably within, like, the last five-ish years, but, like, maybe, maybe, like, eight or nine. Yeah, that is not a way to prove your love. No, definitely not. Hmm. Tell me I'm pretty okay. and feed me tacos. That will tell me you love me. <laughs> Again, this is why your stalker got bored. Um, so, back to all... <laughs> As I choke on myself. Um, back to all of the creepy elements of this story. So, they go on one date. And mm -hmm. he decides... I'm in love. If I can't have her, no one can. I am gonna live in her house. <laughs> they do a seance, and the poor girl thinks my mom is responding to me through ketchup on the walls, <laughs> knocking on the walls, knocking on things, moving furniture, because he's taking advantage of this poor, vulnerable girl and her sister. What's really creepy to me is that the dad picks up on this and finds him, like, I don't know, in the backyard in a hatchet wearing the mom's makeup. Yeah. I pulled up more on him. Okay. If you want me to do read. Do tell. Do okay. tell. So it says Daniel LaPlante was 17 years old when he raped and killed 33-year-old Priscilla Gus Gustafson oh. and killed her two children, Abigail 7 and William 5. Oh, I didn't read. I didn't, like, 
preview that part. I apologize. That makes me sad. Um, He himself suffered a traumatic childhood, which included sexual and psychological abuse, most prominently from his own father. By the time he was an adolescent, LaPlante led a violent life um, with the 1997 murders, serving as a vicious end to his series of unimaginable crimes. LaPlante has been in jail for over 30 years now after receiving three consecutive life sentences for the first-degree murder of three people. Before he committed those murders... LaPlante developed an obsession for two sisters. As a teenager, LaPlante regularly broke into people's homes and left a trail of destruction in his wake. In 1986, the teenager began stalking and tormenting a family of three, a single father and his two daughters, Annie and Jessica Andrews. The girls began receiving phone calls from the boy who claimed to be a teenager in their neighborhood. He charmed the young woman and eventually convinced Annie Andrews to go on a date with him. Upon first meeting each other in person and he was taken aback by how he looked but not in a good way on the phone daniel laplante had described his physical features far from his real self it was akin to a catfish still annie agreed to go for ice cream and when the date ended annie had no interest in pursuing the relationship further after all she was going through a tough time her mother had passed away from cancer only a few months prior it's widely reported that one night the sisters performed a seance um in an attempt to contact the dead um what they weren't aware of was that daniel laplante had broken into their home and was knocking on the walls making sounds that the sisters initially thought was their late mother responding to them um for weeks the knocking continued eventually leading them to think their house was haunted according to multiple reports this tormenting went on for two months the sisters had told their dad about what they had heard but brian andrews attributed uh that to them not dealing well with their mother's death Then one night in 1987, Brian came home and went into Annie's room, and he was confronted by a frightening sight. According to Parkaman, a young boy stood dressed in the clothing of Brian's deceased wife. He was wearing her makeup, a dress, and a blonde wig. In one of his hands was a hatchet. It was Daniel LaPlante. A struggle proceeded, but LaPlante escaped before police later found him in a hidden crawl space behind a cupboard which was built into the wall of Annie Andrews' bedroom. Listen to... Oh, wait. Never mind. Uh, there's like an interview, blah, blah, blah. LaPlante was arrested and charged. He was released from a juvenile facility in October of 1987. Two months later, he committed the three murders. On December 1st, 1987, a man named Andrew Gustafson came home and discovered his wife's deceased body. Um, yeah, we're not going to get into those details because I don't think anybody really wants to. Um, We get the point. He killed. Yeah. Uh, there was a manhunt... They identified LaPlante as the killer. A manhunt ensued before he was eventually caught. In 1988, he was sent to prison with three life sentences for the murder of the family. Um, In 2017, LaPlante applied for a reduced sentence. During his court appearance, it was the first sign of remorse for his actions. Um, It was denied. He applied again for whatever parole in 2019, and it was denied again. Thank you. At least the justice system is doing something right there. I wonder... I can't remember. Did he hide in their house, too? It didn't say. It didn't say. You know, it might have said in the article. However, I didn't want to read that. Oh, my goodness. Um, And I found that information on MamaMia.com. So you can always look up Daniel LaPlante on MamaMia.com if you want to read those details. That's so scary. It is. And. All right, moving on to another. <laughs> yes, please. I don't know how you like segue. Okay, 
In July 2019, authorities in Vatican City received a uh, new tip in a 35-year-old cold case. In 1983, 15-year-old Emanuela Orlan, the daughter of a Vatican employee, disappeared in Vatican City on her way home from a music lesson and was never seen again. The anonymous tip said to look where the statue of an angel was pointing, leading investigators to the tombs of two 19th century German princesses and the Pontifical Teutonic <laughs> College. Although Orlandi's remains were not found, two um, asaris containing thousands of bones were discovered. It was eventually determined that the bones were at least 100 years old and belonged to dozens of unknown individuals. Well, that's creepy. Yeah. And it's sad that they still haven't, I just hate like unsolved crimes yeah. where people are looking for families and there's like no answers for them. But how did this person know that there was still gonna be like remains? Found, yeah. And even if she wasn't found, but they found like a hundred bones, how did they know that like, or a hundred remains? How did they know that hers weren't part of them? I don't know. Maybe they were. Or maybe, like, her bones would... Maybe her body would not have been bones at that point. But it was, like, 2017 and she went missing in 1983. Oh, yeah. Never mind. I mean, yeah. maybe they would have looked different compared to 100-year-old bones. Maybe. I'm not an archaeologist here, but... I mean, like, let's, <laughs> let's be real here. Are they going to sort through these thousands of bones and... I mean, it's someone's try job. And, like, try and, like, date all of them. It's someone's job. Right? I suppose. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Someone's getting paid to do it. I mean, maybe it has some historical significance. However, I will say the part that kind of, like, creeps me out the most is it was, like, look where the angel is pointing from the statue. Yeah. That's kind of, like, creepy. Like, I was expecting them to find her body. Like, honestly. I know. And, like, how old is the statue of the angel pointing? Like, were all those bones, like, or bodies? I guess they were bodies were they when they there? were probably put there. And then the angel statue was put there in memorial of all of these people that died? Yeah. Or... It's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yes. Was it the angel statue or the bones? The bones. The bones. The bones. All right. I have one more story for this episode. Okay. On October 4th, 1986, NBC News anchor Dan Rather was walking home from dinner when he realized two men were following him. The men began asking Rather, Kenneth, what is the frequency? When Rather explained they had the wrong person, the men began beating Rather, who fled into nearby apartment building. Rather's attack made headlines and became a part of pop culture with songs and a graphic novel containing the altered phrase, What's the frequency, Kenneth? R.E.M. even released a hit single of the same name in 1994. That same year, a man named William Tager shot and killed a stagehand on the Today Show. 
Tager claimed NBC had been sending messages to him through the television. In 1997, Tager confessed to being one of the men who attacked Rather over a decade earlier. Tager claimed to be a time traveler and said that Rather resembled his timeline's vice president, Kenneth Burroughs. While the case seemed solved, the other man involved in the assault on Rather has never been identified. Also, some have continued to theorize about other possible motives for the attack. Some have connected the incident to author Donald Barthelm, who wrote a story with a character named Kenneth in the line, What's the Frequency? Others believe the real target was a man named Ken Schaefer, who found a way to use satellite dishes to receive Soviet television broadcasts toward the end of the Cold War, when they weren't available in the US. As many wanted to know how Schaefer was accessing the signals, What's the frequency might have been a logical question to ask him. Schaefer set up these broadcasts for the public, and one such visitor was Dan Rather. Rather and Schaefer even talked outside of the broadcasting event, the same night he was later attacked. Oh my. That's, um, interesting. So what do you think about time travel? Um... <laughs> I don't know what I think about time travel. I don't, like, I I guess I've not really ever thought about that. I know, like, during, like, the pandemic or, like, I guess, like, 2020, there was, like, a video that was supposed to be from, like, like, 22, 20-something. And, like, it was supposed to be like, look at the condition of the world. And I'm like, bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. Like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. People are not allowed to go outside or people aren't going outside. But I don't really know. Maybe there's, like, alternate universes that eventually, like, cross. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> um. So, I don't know. Because sometimes you'll see, like, those pictures. And obviously we can, like photoshop pictures and there's all that kind of like technology but you always kind of get those like random pictures that I find fascinating where it's like a photo from uh, I don't know like 1910 or 18 I don't even know if you could take pictures back then (laughs) but it's like some man standing there and he's wearing a camera that, like, that camera came out in 1950, but this photo was taken in, like, 1910. Yeah. Or this person is wearing clothes from this era, and then they look like this, or... And we've all seen, like, the photo of, like, this Confederate soldier looks like Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Or something like that. And it's interesting, like, I don't know... I don't know what I think about time traveling, but then you hear some of these stories about some people. Um, so, like, obviously I have, like, my healthcare background, and so you hear these, like, scary stories from doctors and nurses in the ER, and you have, like, some of these patients that are like, um, this homeless man came in, and he was acting all altered, and then he made this comment about, I'm from this, like, military 
um, site and I used to be an Air Force pilot and blah 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 and then the doctor pulls the nurse aside and says this is a top secret military base and only certain people know about it like how does this guy know about it and he's talking about how he's from the future and he knows things that he shouldn't know and so sometimes you just wonder but I'm not a hundred percent on it yeah um all I can think of is, could you imagine Nicolas Cage as this soldier, like, back in, like, yes, what yes, would I that can. be? The Civil War? And giving a big speech, and everyone's, like, just running and fighting, and he's standing there giving a speech. <laughs> oh, my God. I can. That would be beautiful. I can. <laughs> I can only think of him in that, I can't remember the name of the movie, but he's, like, a vampire or something, and he's just completely batshit crazy. I do not know what movie you're talking about, but I do think he would be an amazing soldier. <laughs> I could see it happening. So on that note, I hope you enjoyed our return from wherever it was that we were. <laughs> our hiatus that like was only supposed to be a month. It's like 13 months later. Sorry. Life got crazy. Kids went back to school. Life got crazy. Yeah, but we'll see. Uh, No promises, but we'll see what happens. So on that note, bye. Bye.